0: the busy uh, now
1: he's going to move like right along to mcgregor that's his
0: whole life. You know. i have no idea how to talk about the field where i died
1: you know i i i read somewhere a quote that uh an experimental novel is one where the experiment failed the field where i died is an experimental episode of television um it's try- i think that's
0: a good way to put it actually yeah
1: it's trying to do something very different uh I I guess maybe part of where we can talk about it is talking about where it falls because, I mean, this is trying to be very lyrical and this is trying to be very avant and it's trying to be very – again, this is a very poetic episode in a lot of ways. It begins and ends with – I think it's Robert Browning is the uh, poet that they're quoting um, and – It's trying to make some esoteric point about past lives, but we talked a lot—we've been talking a lot about how episodic television can do things that are outside of the wheelhouse, right? Like, it doesn't necessarily have to have a— consistent tone every single week there is, and as we will you know as we'll talk about sanguinarium has a very different tone and a different tone from a lot of the stuff we've been seeing uh yeah but at least sanguinarium makes sense within the context of the series um i don't know if a lot of it f- boils down to um the one exchange in where Mulder is talking to Skinner and he's saying, "Oh yeah, well it's obviously, you know, multiple personality." And Scully calls him on that and he says, "Well, I wouldn't I I I had to say that, you know, Melissa's dealing with multiple personalities because Skinner would never believe it." And then Scully goes and says, "You don't really care about, you know, Melissa or these 50 people. You only care about himself." And neither of those things feel like Mulder. Mulder is the guy who in the middle of a courtroom will be saying, well, he has psychic powers and he's going to do psychic things. You know, Mulder's the one who will stand before a review board and say it was aliens or it was a monster for him to, you know, and so much has gone between Mulder and Skinner to the effect of these two kind of need to trust each other that for him to suddenly chicken out doesn't feel like him. And for Scully to say that Mulder only cares about himself doesn't feel like Mulder. Yeah, I mean,
0: in a weird way, this almost feels like a non-canon episode yes, of The X-Files.
1: I think that's a perfect way to say it.
0: Because it is very experimental, you're right. It It is, I think, mostly failed. I think you're also right. I remember hating this episode and and, and finding it, frankly, interminably boring, I actually was was quite engaged with it this time. I I liked it a lot more than I remembered liking it. I think primarily because this is an episode that demands you pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. And if you're not locked into its wavelength, it is going to be extraordinarily tedious. And I locked into it this time.
1: Yeah, it's one. At, I, I at, wish. I wish I had had the chance to rewatch it because I think it kind of demands a rewatch. But
0: right, because it's got these long stretches that are just monologuing. It's mm. it's almost got this dreamlike atmosphere to it that none of what's happening seems like it's affecting Mulder in any real way. He doesn't seem very engaged with the reality of the situation. Which which let's not forget is a. FBI raid a Waco style FBI raid and so but at the same time I don't think the monologues work I don't really get Mulder's motivations in this episode whatsoever he seems very sucked into Melissa's world it's the the whole episode is constructed on a foundation of paper and yeah I think it works as you're watching it and I think some somewhat of it works even after the fact but at the end of it you're left with a feeling of why did they write this what was the purpose of this and yeah. what's more is that you know this again is a Glenn Morgan and James Wong episode and I believe that they write four episodes this season they write home this one uh Glenn Morgan wrote one by himself which is coming up next week which is also very odd. And then they write another one later on in the season that is also quite extraordinarily odd. So they seem to have been daring themselves to write these very odd episodes. And they were never really the writers to do that kind of stuff on The X-Files. I like the attempt, and I think that I admire Home more than I like it. I admire the field where I died a lot more than I like it. But... At the end of the day, the, the, it it feels you know where I said home felt showy in a way. The field where I died doesn't feel showy, but it feels it 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 feels like the kind of thing that you think is very important when you're in college.
1: Yeah, and part I again I said this a little bit in home, but Glenn Morgan is not Darren Morgan, but Glenn Morgan wants to be Darren Morgan.
0: Yes. Uh, yes, absolutely.
1: If this had been a Darren Morgan episode, I could see this being a phenomenal episode. I can see Darren Morgan no- I can see Darren Morgan knocking this out of the park. It has all of the hallmarks of being a Darren Morgan episode, of being a weird take on the characters, on being a weird take on The character's jobs, a weird take on perception, a weird, you know, weird and unusual outlier characters and, you know, bizarre situations, subcultures, a, you know, very, very particular set pieces. But in some ways, it's a notes, but not the music episode.
0: It, in a certain sense, yeah. I mean, the, the genesis for the episode, as I understand it, is that uh, Glenn Morgan and James Wong worked with the actress who played Melissa on Space Above and Beyond. They they thought she was great. They thought she was fantastic, that she could do these voices and these different characters. And they they kind of wrote this partially as an excuse to put her in the X-Files yeah. and partially as an excuse to uh, push David Duchovny to, to, to act a little more. And yeah, David Duchovny pulls it off. I think the the actress who plays Melissa does a fantastic job of playing an old man. Um, it, it all works, but what it really comes down to for me is that it it's trying to I think it's trying to say something about Melissa because you know let let's step back a second and let's let's examine the structure of the episode, which is that we have a Waco style uh, cult. Run by this guy, uh, Vernon Ephesian, and you know they're they 're preparing for some sort of uh, you know confrontation with the government. the FBI is raiding their compound, they have hidden weapons somewhere, and the entire events of the episode start out with them trying to locate exactly where these weapons are okay fine that 's a good setup for an episode i 'm with you and what it comes down to for me though is that i 'm never sure if the episode is trying to indicate. By Melissa putting Mulder under some sort of trance, let's say, or under some sort of control through the use of these multiple personalities/slash past lives, is the episode trying to say that Melissa is actually the power behind the throne, as it were, that hmm. she is the one that is helping to uh, is helping Vernon to, to keep control over his flock? I don't think so, but. That's an interpretation that that could be argued and and I just don't know if that's enough,
1: yeah, I mean uh, given the way the episode ends, I don't think that's the case, but at the same time, I mean one of the failings of the episode is that we don't see him her in an ephesian very much if he is the uh you know. Melissa is the special effect that they use throughout the entire episode. Uh, Vernon's just kind of there in a handful of scenes, and he doesn't have a huge presence. Uh, and I think that's a failing. I think we need to see this guy being larger than life. Again, I think a better writing on him could have made that the case. But um, in a way, I, be- I think the sh- the episode believes that everything else is just window dressing to this... Major monologue of, you know, Mulder have of of Mulder's hypnosis scene where he kind of views his larger place in the grand scheme of the cosmos, uh, where he recognizes his own past lives, where he has this connection between him and Scully that is eternal, and between him and Melissa in an eternal thing, and Samantha kind of being there and the cigarette smoking man, but at the same time. I don't know. It all, it works, but not necessarily for this show. And that's weird to yeah. say in a show that, yeah, it, 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 it's, it, it, it's funny. Like, you know, one of the running things on Buffy is that there are all these, you know, vampires exist, ghosts exist, mummies exist, but leprechauns are beyond the pale. You know, leprechauns cannot possibly exist. You know, X-Files is a show where you have aliens, you have fluke men, you have, you know vampires but like past lives seems like a little much
0: yeah exactly because of course you know scully is playing her her typical role of well i am coming up with a scientific explanation for this she has dissociative identity disorder and if you want to hear more of our thoughts on dissociative identity disorder go back and listen to our united states of terror episodes and maybe that
1: is a uh maybe that is affecting our opinion of the show a little much because we did a show that is completely about you know Disassociative, you know, and we have our own our our views on this episode are going to be colored by our views from Tara.
0: Yeah, sure. You know, I think that this is an episode in some respects that is is about the characters of the <laughs> in the X Files. I mean, I don't know why Skinner's in this episode, for instance, except to remind us that he's there. Um, because he doesn't he doesn't have a role yeah. in the episode, really.
1: His 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 role could be played by just anybody, you know, it's just their field commander on this mission. Yeah.
0: Right. I mean I, I was I was expecting him to get slotted into Mulder's past life and yeah. my Knowledge he doesn't. I mean, to my remembrance, he doesn't. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, Scully is there, Samantha is there, the cigarette smoking man is there, you know, so it does seem to be going in a very sort of, you know, hoodoo mysticism kind of thing where everyone is connected in your life and the people that are most important or infamous in your life are always in your life, no matter when you're living. But it kind of harkens back to the beginning of the third season, for example. Um, But he doesn't qu- go anywhere.
1: Yeah. And here's my question like, why isn't Deep Throat on that list, for example? Like, yeah. if, if if we are trying to create a, uh, uh, you know, a carass out of these people, I don't think they thought too much about who Mulder's actual carass is.
0: Right. Exactly. I mean, why aren't his. Parents there, or at least his mother. You know, it, it. There's a lot of stuff in it which just doesn't make a lot of sense as constru- as as the show has been constructed. And and furthermore, I think that to step back a second and talk about this episode as as experimental, I don't I don't think it's experimental enough. I mm-hmm. think that this episode is a prime example of the X Files with two feet and two very in both feet in yeah. very different worlds. Right? You've got the one foot in a very sort of bog standard X Files story. Uh, that's the part where they're raiding the compound and Vernon is getting arrested, and Mul and you know Scully's talking about dissociative identity disorder with with Skinner and Mulder. And then the other half of it is this very sort of lyrical, dreamlike episode about past lives and Mulder getting, you know inexplicably drawn to this woman, Melissa, because they had a past life together and that she watched him die. You know, all these sort of things. And I think the episode would have been a lot more interesting if it had been the case that the show... Could have just went. You know what? Let's dispense with all of the normal X Files stuff. Let's just make a really strange episode where Mulder meets a woman and they have this weird dreamlike thing for forty five minutes. In a in a similar way to how I don't think three all the way back from the second season <laughs> didn't work because it was it was like a it was like an early attempt at the kind of thing that the field where I died is is pulling off a little better, but the show is still constrained by the realities. Of network television
1: at the same time i'm thinking back to what you said about you know maybe melissa is the true you know power behind the throne and now i'm almost wondering about again here here we go with my old you know if i could rewrite the episode but let's pretend that the past life stuff is all bullshit that yes melissa is a very troubled you know young woman who has had a lot of abuse and problems in her life but she is a you know certain things she says lead Mulder to believe that he has this, you know, intense spiritual connection to her, which doesn't exist. I mean, this is something that would be picking up with the themes of episodes like Grotesque and unrue, where, um, you know, people will go, you know, in an investigation, your empathy kind of goes too far. And Mulder's empathy towards this woman, he he is somebody who will go too far and might get himself in trouble. And in this case, He goes so far as to believe that he has a cosmic past-life connection from this, and he is coming up with all of these deeper, large meanings, and um, this—I mean, there's the one line that he has, you know, if this were true, uh, you know, lives would be very meaningful, and he is somebody who has—you know, in this episode, he is coming from this seed of an emotionally damaged woman into, you know, the secrets of the universe, and— you know, n- not only would that be something that is very in Mulder's character, it would be something that he and Scully could understand because Scully is somebody who has some kind of connection to the divine, who is able to read smaller signs and see the presence of something larger in them, and who would be able to understand Mulder's desire to make this something when it is. You know, it has mundane explanations to it. Um, I mean, and but,
0: but isn't that kind of condescending, though? Because isn't that really outside of of Mulder's character to think that the only reason why we can't be kind to each other and the only reason why we can't connect to each other is because we're not related to each other from a past life? It it, it just strikes me as a very strange thing for the X Files to be arguing. I agree. I mean, there's no reason why Mulder couldn't be drawn to Melissa only because. They get along, they're similarly minded, whatever. You know, it, it, it doesn't need this weird past life component to it. And it it just really strikes me that the the Field Where I Died is an episode that really is confused about what it's about.
1: Yeah, and I think a better version of that episode would have dealt with that. I mean, there is the one line that Scully says where, you know, if I even if I knew, you know, I wouldn't change a day, except for the fluke band thing, but you know, I think from her view, it doesn't really matter if we're connected by past lives or we've just met the one time. She still has the respect and love for Mulder. She still does have this strong connection for them. You know, it doesn't matter in a way. That doesn't change the nature of her connection to him, whether it is the 20th time that they've done this together or the first time. In a way... um, I think the show could even argue that if this is the first and only time, that is more meaningful because it is a choice that we make once out of, you know, our only time rather than just, you know, it's a cyclical thing that just happens because it just happens.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I mean, the, not not to not to undercut your point, but I think that the weird thing about that line too, and I, I do like that line that she has about the fluke man. But she didn't actually ever see the fluke man, to my knowledge. Huh. Like that was that was at the point in the show's run when she was off teaching at Quantico, and she wasn't actually there. At uh, all, I think she so did an
1: autopsy on somebody.
0: Maybe, but it just seems odd to me. I guess the last thing to say about this episode before we go on to to Sanguinarium, um, because Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh is where like on a very fundamental level and this is kind of a broad question but i think you will know where why i'm asking it do you understand why i wanted to do the x-files
1: oh yeah now i do
0: like this is such a weird fucking show
1: yeah and I don't think – you know, we all talk about how this is the golden age of television. We are very uh, critical of this era of television being the golden age of television. We are very – I feel like someday we should do Game of Thrones, but I know we both don't like Game of Thrones and
0: (sighs) –
1: That's the thing. Game of Thrones does not have the balls to be the X-Files.
0: No, it doesn't. That that's that's exactly what it is. I mean, The X-Files is a maddening show. It's terrible <laughs> sometimes. It it's it's offensive sometimes. But there's just something about it where you have to admire its its courage to do something like this. As as one foot in, one foot out yeah. as it is. This is this is something that I don't think. I mean, this is sort of like Twin Peaks level stuff in a yes. certain sense. I mean, this is like really really bizarre stuff. And I you know, I got a hand to the X-files that they they did a lot of this stuff. You know, when they were at their height and that no one was really pushed away from it. I mean, that's the that's the weird thing about it is that this was a this was when the show was a top 10 hit and I think that it's just bizarre.
1: I mean one of the reasons that I loved Mad Men so much was Mad Men did have a lot of very experimental episodes um and there were a lot of episodes that changed wildly in tone um I have not seen the entire run of Game of Thrones but every episode I've seen has been the same basic thing um I mean I am surprised that this was such a mainstream show because it is so uh it, it 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 seems like the exiles became a mainstream show in spite of itself i mean i guess oh oh yeah i think people were watching it in order to see what crazy shit would be next week and you know i i i am very quickly getting to a point with the series where i don't know what to expect from episode to episode and for me i like that um you know game of thrones seems to be that pulse tokinian you know very standard fantasy which is very not fantastic in a way um
0: well i mean i'll 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 spin out one of my grandiose you know half baked theories at this point cuz i i'm famous for that but in a certain sense i think that that if you place the x files in a historical context in the 90s when things seemed settled when the economy was doing well when when nothing really seemed all that surprising and everyday life seemed relatively stable People watching television shows that were very experimental in form and storytelling style in tone makes sense, right? Because nowadays everything feels very precarious. I mean, we are expecting a nuclear war at any minute. The the our government is actively trying to kill us. And we don't I don't think that people really could accept or 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 would want a show like the X Files to be popular. I mean, look at how the 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 you know revived season of Twin Peaks did. I mean, basically, yeah. no one watched it. You know what is really popular now? It's stuff like Game of Thrones. It's stuff that is very tonally consistent, where it's it's you know privileging short term pleasures over over you know narrative brilliance or whatever you want to say. And I I think that that's really right. I mean, the the kind of art that people react to and and huh. engage with is informed by her, their historical culture and sociological circumstances. I can see that. All right. Well, <laughs> not not to cut that off, but uh, let's move on to Sanguinarium. But before we do, I just want to take a quick opportunity to remind all of you that tuning in is listener supported. If you would like to give us a little bit of your money, just go to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow and give now. All right. Let's talk about a very different episode of The X-Files, which I think is probably a line I could use for every single <laughs> Podcast we do on the X Files, Sanguinarium, well, which is pretty much just a bog standard, pretty good episode of the X Files that is extraordinarily gruesome.
1: So I, I will say, I last night I I sat down to watch Sanguinarium. I got myself a nice bowl of ice cream to settle into, and then a man got murdered by liposuction, and it was not a good combination. Um. <laughs>
0: I was – you think I would know better by now? I was <laughs> eating dinner while I was <laughs> watching this. Oh, my
1: this. God. You know, this episode reminds me a bit of the Hand der Verletzt in that it's kind of crappy but striking. Um, I have to say, you know, The X-Files is – you know, like I remember one of my friends saying that uh, – and she was not allowed to watch the X Files, and she would stay up late and sneak into you know the, the the family room and watch it with the sound very low, you know, so her parents you know were asleep at the time or whatever. And you know, these episodes like these are are kind of why. Like, I think the show needs to remind us every so often that it was a mystery horror show sometimes.
0: Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, there there is no real greater. Thing here, I mean, the episode tosses off some some half-assed theories about you know the 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 necessity for people to undergo undergo pa- plastic surgery and you know, stuff like that. But it's not the point of the episode. It's very half-hearted. The the episode is not interested in any sort of. You know, uh, 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 you know, philosophical or, or intellectual argument for or against, uh, you know, changing your appearance through the use of surgery. It is just a horror episode, yeah. And it's it's goofy, it's ridiculous. I'm glad you picked up on the the resonances to Dehan de Verlitz because, of course, I didn't like Dehan de Verlitz very much, but I like this episode a lot. I think it's it's not anything that I would ever put on a best of list or a top ten list. But if you think about just an episode of The X-Files, I think this is probably the type of episode that people think about.
1: Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just need to watch something through your fingers because it's so gore, you know? It it was fun in a weird way.
0: It is fun. And it's also, I think, the first time that The X-Files has gone quite this gory. I mean, you're talking about an episode where... Uh, Essentially, you see the aftermath of someone pouring some sort of acid over a face and melting her and killing her. Uh, You see someone putting a a laser beam through her head. Uh, You know, there's a lot of pretty gross. A guy cuts his own face off. Yeah, I Uh. mean, the the X-Files, I think, has a reputation for being gory that it doesn't quite deserve. But I think a lot of what happens with that is people remember episodes like this.
1: Well, yeah, I probably will not forget this. How could you f- not for remember this episode? Being, but anyway, I guess, I guess you think that you know maybe years later the special effects will be cheesy. Well, no, this was a these. I will say these two episodes, though the production team, like the the makeup teams, the you know production design teams, did earn their pay these, these this week.
0: They certainly did. I mean, I just I. I I think that, like the 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 opening scene where the guy is essentially stabbing that woman to death with a yeah. liposuction suction device. I mean, this is just like a really really disturbing episode, and it doesn't really have any point other than to be a disturbing episode and. I think that, that, you know, certainly we talk a lot in grandiose terms about the X-Files getting experimental with episodes like The Field Where I Died and Home and, you know, some of Darren Morgan's stuff and episodes that will come later. But I think that we don't give enough credit for an episode like Sanguinarium, which is the show, I think, daring itself to be about as gory as it can be and to say... You know, okay, you think you know what an X-Files episode is? Let's just give you exactly what you think an X-Files episode is. Do you still want that?
1: Yeah, like I said the 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 show is at its peak of popularity right now. It has a really good time slot and it's doing stuff like this now. Like it's 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 Again, I think the show is a hit in spite of itself right now and it's it knows it's popular and it's fucking with us.
0: Yeah, I mean, this was on Sunday night at 9 o'clock. Yeah. I mean, this is not the type of episode of of sh- of a television show that normally was air at that time slot. And, I mean, it's hard to say that there's anything really meaty to talk about with Sanguinarium because, I mean, I think the name of the episode is indicative of exactly what it yeah. is. Uh, there is nothing to this episode other than some vague you know, misdirection about what exactly is going on. And I actually will say that, that you know, we are being a little glib with this episode, but I, I do actually think that the misdirection of the episode which, you know, you get to the middle part of it and the nurse gets arrested and you think, oh, okay, everything's fine now. And then it makes this hard left turn. You know, obviously, most X-Files episodes are going to have some sort of turn like that. But this is a, an example of one that is, I think, pretty well done and is one that I think is pretty shocking even now. And, uh, you know, essentially what happens is that she gets murdered by this doctor who is a pratic- practitioner of black magic. <laughs> you know, I think that that a lot of what it comes down to for me is like an episode like DeHaan de Verlitz didn't work because I found the black magic to be yeah. like hokey. It felt like a TV version of black magic, whereas this felt like not a real version of black magic, but it felt like a version of black magic that I would actually want to watch on television.
1: <laughs> okay, I can... Like, it. it was... The Honda Verlitz was cheesy. This is scary. This is gruesome. I mean, none of the, you know, part of it is, I I assume there was a different budget involved in in the effects, sure, but um, I don't know. This is a much more, realistic is a weird word to say, but this is a more realistic version of, you know, gruesome murders than the Honda Verlitz was.
0: No, I think that's right. I mean Dehan De Verlitz was, was not attempting for any sort of realism. I think that you you know, you, you were much more on board with the idea that that episode was was intended as campy, and I, I think I go back and forth on that. This episode was not intended to be, oh, to be no. campy necessarily. I mean, this was definitely intended to be gory and gruesome and and, and horrifying. And it, it succeeds, of course. But it's still grounded in the characters that we know, and I think yes. that like You know, I criticize the show a lot for episodes where Mulder and Scully don't really solve anything, and, you know, not only do they not really do any real investigative work in this episode, they don't even catch the guy who's killing everyone. I mean, he succeeds at the end of the episode, and he gets away. Uh, That's different from a lot of other X-Files episodes, because, you know, you could argue, all right, well... The fluke man, whatever, you know, he he got killed, but there's, you know, uh, uh, mysteries at the end about what exactly is happening. But a lot of the monsters in the X-Files you can kind of sympathize why, with in a yes. certain sense because they're not doing it because they're evil or murderous. I mean, this guy's motivations, by contrast, are the most vain you could ever imagine, and it's, it's disgusting. I mean— but it also has a weird sense of humor, like where he goes to the, where where you know, it also has a weird sense of humor, like when the doctor appears at the end of the episode in Los Angeles. I mean, it's just, it's, yeah. it's making fun of Los Angeles.
1: <laughs> I have to say, you know, I mean, I, I, I thought it was fun. I love Richard Bamer as an actor. He is on Twin Peaks. He's great. I don't know if it's worth killing four people to look like him. I don't know, like you would think that you would get a little more out of that, but you know, either way. Uh yeah, like it's it's <clears throat> it's it's a it treads a very fine line this episode, because you're right, it could easily be hokey. Oh, you know, plastic surgery brings people to very evil ends, but it's played deadly serious, and there is, of course, a trap when you play too serious that it will be so serious it becomes funny and they don't hit that they don't cross that line here.
0: No, they don't. And I, I think a large part of why they don't cross that line is because of the violence. I think that the violence yeah. is key to that. If the if the episode wasn't as violent and gory as it is, it would have easily crossed that line into making
1: fun of itself. And if they'd had the effects from Dehander Verlitz happening, yeah.
0: Right. And I you know I think like you know, it's interesting we're, we're comparing this episode to de- Dehan de Verlitz so much, but I think it's appropriate because... I think we just
1: like saying that.
0: Oh, yeah. I love saying it. But, you know, it's also interesting to me that in this episode, Scully seems much more on board with the idea of black magic. I mean, obviously, in Dehan de Verlitz, that was, you know, what, like a season and a half ago, and that was a, a Scully who still had not gone through a lot of the events that she has now seen. But she's pretty much on board with it. I mean, she's kind of like, she gives some half-hearted attempts at refuting it, but she doesn't really care that much. And I think that's another reason why this episode works is that, it, it dispenses with a lot of the setup stuff that we normally yeah. get from an X-Files episode, and it's just like, eh, all right, you know, we're just going to give you a, a, essentially a, a haunted house of, of of really gruesome murder scenes.
1: And I think in this episode, Scully is working on a difference between somebody practicing black magic and black magic being real. You know, like, either... I, I think she can view somebody as committing a bunch of murders because they believe they're making sacrifices to, you know, the devil. Does she believe that the devil is going to listen and allow him to change his face? Probably not. Of course, this is the X-Files, and so that is what's happening. But I think it does allow Scully to go with the episode while still remaining you know, true to her own skepticism. You know, in so many episodes, there are, you know, Scully is confronted with something and she's like, no, there has to be a reasonable explanation for this. Well, for Scully, the reasonable explanation is somebody is committing murders for religious reasons.
0: I, yeah, I think that's right because, you know, this episode, at least to some degree, you know, is, is a part of, Scully doesn't, Care why the guy is doing it, and I think in, in a certain in a similar way to that, she didn't really care why uh, the guy in Unruh was killing those women, right? I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter. She wants to catch the guy, and f- this is an episode where a lot of times Mulder's theorizing about supernatural or whatever events or you know motivations for the the events of these these stories are grounded in an attempt to come up with information that will help them solve this, yeah. and this doesn't really feel like that you know he keeps going back to this idea of the pentagram as a protection symbol someone is trying to protect these people who is it but it doesn't really lead them anywhere and it doesn't really get them anywhere and a lot of what Mulder is doing in this episode feels like him showing off in a certain sense
1: yeah coming to wrong conclusions it's true um Again, and at the end of the day, I mean, he does figure out that, you know, the birthday is a thing, but, you know, that they, they end up going on the wrong track because of that. Obviously, multiple people can have the same birthday.
0: Yeah, and I and I think that that, that also is played very nicely because at the end of the episode when that last victim dies and it's revealed that uh, it, it, their birthday was on Halloween – Mulder is the one to say October 31st Scully is the one yeah. to say Halloween but they're doing that in two very different ways I mean I think for Scully she can accept the the motive of someone who believes yeah. they're doing black magic whereas Mulder actually thinks that the guy is doing black magic and of course he's right I mean Mulder is usually right but it it, it, it allows us to at least have some sense that both of them are right which is interesting as well I think.
1: Yeah, and both of them, again, are equally wrong, and both of them do nothing, and the thing just kind of goes on on its way.
0: Well, I think that's it for Sanguinarium. If you have any thoughts on either of the episodes we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. As I said earlier, you can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash TrekAboutShow. It also supports our other podcast, Trek About. We are talking about... The last two episodes of season three of Star Trek Voyager this week at TrekAboutShow.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we are there. Tuning in Show is our username in all those places. And as always, please leave us an iTunes review for tuning in. All right, next week we are going to be talking about uh, two episodes that I think Richard is going to be extremely excited about. Yay! We're. One because uh, we're getting to the mythology again. Oh, and boy! And one because... Wait for, this, wait for this episode title, Richard. Are you ready for this?
1: I'm ready for this.
0: Musings of a Cigarette Smoking Man. Ooh. And Tunguska.
1: The Mac, why do you...